Welcome to Holy Smoke, the Spectator's Religion podcast. My name is Christina Odone. And I'm Damien Thompson. And today we are thrilled because our special guest is none other than Fraser Nelson, the editor of The Spectator. Just 30% of Britons say their religion or faith is important to them. That's a startling statistic in the new Ipsos Mori survey of global trends. Startling because of the results from the rest of the world. Only Sweden, Belgium and Japan care less about faith than we do. In America, 69% of people said religion or faith was important to them. In Muslim Indonesia, that figure was 93%. Christian South Africans, 88%. And in Hindu India, 77% care about their faith. Well, you may say, we knew we were less religious in these countries. But Canada on 46%, Australia 42%, Italy, where church going has been in free fall for ages, 22 points ahead of us at 52%. Is Britain really as irreligious as the survey suggests? Or are we simply reticent about this most private of subjects? not wanting to seem pious when a survey asks us a nosy question. What do you think, Fraser? I have always thought that Britain is, first of all, a country that doesn't like to talk about religion. Even if you are religious, it doesn't do to make the point. To wear a cross is a gesture in Britain which is slightly more of a statement than it would be in the rest of continental Europe. So it is quite possible that when you're asked about your religion or your sexuality or things. The Brits like to keep certain things private. And religion has tended to be something that is um, done at home. I remember an ex-girlfriend of mine told me I should keep my faith as a dirty secret and not be telling anybody else about it. And uh, and the funny thing is that when I was growing up in Scotland, I, I was a Catholic in a rather sectarian part of Scotland. So you learned then to basically hide it, to conceal it, because it could basically only bring problems people know about it. When I moved to London, I found that the same devices with which one conceals Catholicism were useful for concealing Christianity for the same kind of reason. It slightly freaks people out. You're expected to be religious as long as you don't actually make a point about it. I think making a point about it is seen as un-British. Perhaps that affects the poll results. And I thought Britain is an unreligious society, but still far from an immoral society. We churchgoers can get very depressed about the state of affairs and think, well, isn't the country going to the dogs? This is the fall of Rome, etc. But one of the funny trends that other surveys pick up is that the kind of moral calibre, especially of young people, is going up and up and up. We're going through a huge period of social repair right now in terms of everything you can think of, really, at the same time as church falling is going into decline. So I think that the non-religious aspects of Christianity have adapted and implanted themselves in British culture very successfully. So I don't think we're a particularly godless country. We're just not a very church-going country. Well, I'm surprised that the figure is as high as 30%, because my experience is that, as you say, religion doesn't intrude into conversation. We are reticent about religion, but I think you have to ask why we're reticent about religion. And I think it's not just a question of manners. I think it's because, on the whole, as a society, we don't address existential questions except where we have to, and then very rarely within a solid framework of faith. And I think you have to ask yourself, if it wasn't for the presence of British immigrants, who tend to be far more religious than native Britons, how low would this figure be? 
Well, what worries me, and I can see that Fraser and you, Damien, are, are much calmer about it, is if we now learn that so few of us care about our faith, does that give those who are secular and militantly secular mm-hmm. an excuse to crush religious freedom even more? Because in my view, that's the danger. We've seen various phases of secularity in Britain. You know, when Margaret Thatcher stood outside the steps of Downing Street in 1979, she was able to, to quote, you know, religious themes. And the phrase, for a phrase, God bless, has slipped out of our vocabulary. Other little signs of it have gone. That was kind of phase one. I mean, it would be a very... Theresa May, for example, she's a vicar's daughter, she goes to church. But if any interviewer asks her to elaborate on this, she won't. All she'll say is that she's religious. End of story. If you ask how her faith is important to her, she won't tell you. Because she has worked out that even if you're religious, people won't tolerate you discussing it in a way they might have done, say, 20 or 30 years ago. Thatcher was fine talking about her religion, and it wasn't really a standout feature because people did it then. So you've got this this phase, the kind of dropping out of the religious language. Then you have the other phase where you get, I guess, you know, mankind is, we, we believe things. And if one doesn't believe in a religion, you believe in basically secular tenets of faith, which we're having now with human rights and other such agendas, which come into conflict with Christianity. Specifically, for example, gay marriage, gay adoption. In those areas, the church, various churches and their institutions have had to retreat. Not very often you actually get them in actual conflict, but when they were there, there was no doubt about it. The human rights agenda and the equalities agenda where it comes into contact with religious reservations about gay adoption is a classic example. There's no doubt about it that, that the secular agenda will win. But, you know, even as a, a church-going Catholic, I'm not that worried about it. I see these things as relatively small. Now and again, you get news stories about some Northern Ireland baker who didn't want to bake a gay marriage cake and it hits the news. And you kind of think, oh, that's a bit daft. But... I like to think that if you take away the kind of rather politicised secularist agenda, I don't think that is shared very widely in the society. No, I'm not so sure about that. Looking at a statistic that really has taken me by surprise. In other words, it's, it's much worse than I thought or better than you thought, depending on your perspective. But the percentage of young Britons, 18 to 24, not belonging to any religion, has increased from 54% in 1990 to 62% in 2015. Now that is an extraordinarily rapid change. Yeah, certainly if you look at the number of portion of children who are brought up in a religious household, it is declining. You can extend this trend as you once did for us, Damien, in a wonderful spectator cover story and work out that the last Christian will basically pop his clogs in about 2065 if these trends continue. But this is the question. Is this a linear trend or do you have cycles? I mean, Chesterton famously spoke about the five deaths of the church, the five times in history it's supposed to have died out. But then all of a sudden, the youth become very enthusiastic about the faith the parents didn't really care about. And it kind of comes back. And I suspect what we're seeing is a change of faith in Britain, that those who are religious are forced to defend it a lot more, but will keep their faith. So you're getting a sort of a decline in ambivalent religion, if you want to call it that. Yeah. But those who are religious... Taken for granted religion mm-hmm. is disappearing. Yeah, it is disappearing. Because it used to be the case that it could be carried in British culture, and British culture no longer does that. So if you are religious now, you are a fish swimming against the current. 
and you get that from a fairly early age and you basically decide to swim against the current rather than with but it. But if we could just look for a second at the current that you're swimming against, I thought for a long time that, that secularism as not being interested in religion is far more significant than secularism as militant intolerance. In fact, I, I often think that militant secularism is a little bit of a bogeyman which is produced by Christians as a way to explain why they've made so little headway in society. But there is a there is a sort of middle ground which is a, a knee-jerk tendency to blame religion for all the miseries and conflicts in the world. Christine, you must have come across that many times. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I still remember being deputy editor of The Enemy, The New Statesman, and everything that I said or wrote was anathema to my readers because I was seen as the left footer. I was not a lefty. I was a left footer who, you know, could not be forgiven for being Catholic. And and they felt that everything I did and wrote about was filtered through this hocus pocus Catholicism. But of was mine. that because you're you're a Christian, Christina, or Catholic in particular? I think that it was a Catholic in particular, but I think it's it's about being a Christian. I think that there's there's something ingrained in the political left in this country mm-hmm. that, you know, they used to say that it was Methodism and Marxism. Well, I think Methodism just was wiped out. I guess the thing about Catholics is you're seen as a Christian who isn't even embarrassed about it. Yes, so you can yes, get double true. kind that's of true. opprobrium from that kind of quarter. But but I think that one of the elements of this latest poll that worries me is that we are being told that people care very little about their faith. We know that people care very little about their politics. Are we facing something that is you know, very close to a kind of Michelle Hollebeck scenario of atomized Britons. Well, I think one important factor is being left out of the discussion so far, which is the secularism of the churches. Let's say the churches, but this applies to other religions to, to an extent. But secularism within the churches means that more and more religious organizations are behaving effectively like secular NGOs, mm-hmm. that the reports they produce are very hard to distinguish from those of charities. So the religious instinct is being channeled into secular enthusiasms as much by the churches and their bureaucrats as by the media, say. Fraser, do you think there's some truth in that? If you basically judge a church by its forays into the political sphere, then yes, you're always going to find out where they're more interested in secular themes and global warming, poverty, things like that, then they are going to talk about God. But I think I've always thought it's a well, huge... You say always. I think this is relatively recent. I'm not sure. Look, maybe my memory is failing, but I can't remember. It, I remember in the 80s, the Church of England, various commissions taking on Margaret Thatcher, taking on Thatcherism, not really talking about God, but just not liking the ideology. And that's basically been a theme for quite some time. But I always think it is a mistake to judge churches by their political interventions, because if you go in, if you go into a church, as I do every week, how often do you really hear them talk about, you know, the other things which the leadership talk about? They talk about the gospel. They talk about the man, man's relationship with man. They talk about love and forgiveness. And these are the themes which are the basics of religion. And just because the church's hierarchy tend not to make public interventions on that level, 
this ought not to be them losing their focus actually where it matters, which is in church. Actually, I, I think you could be right, and I think that, say, compared to 30 or 40 years ago, you might actually find that the, the rhetoric is less political because those people who go to church now go because of their faith rather than being ordinary members of the population who go to church and, and who are very bound up with the political concerns of the day, which is very much the case in lots and lots of churches in the 1970s when I was growing up. But also, again, to play the pessimist in this, mm-hmm. in this triangle, it seems to me that when we say that people care less about their faith than ever before, they don't just reject the rules that religion provides, but also that amazing impetus to do good, to look towards others, to be altruistic, generous, charitable. Mm. And that really worries me because going back to my atomized image, I can just see these selfie-focused, materialistic people just passing one another without any connection, without any of those relationships and bonds that faith provides. Well, that's not quite how I see it. I mean, um, I really struggle to see any sort of signs of Britain of our moral character, our social fabric getting worse rather than better. We've got the first young generation, I think, for in living memory, who are I seem to have sort of be more mortal than their parents. I mean, take, for example, the number of nightclubs has halved since 2005. Drug use is going down. Alcohol use is going down. Charitable donations are, are, are going up. People are, social media means people are communicating with each other a lot more, albeit digitally, perhaps not face-to-face. And um, albeit cruelly and trollingly and, um, well, and quite you, you negatively. Get, you, you get aspects of that, but also you get the opposite, the gushing, the over-emotional. And similarly, crime is really is falling too quickly. I think crime amongst teenagers is down by something like 75% over 10 years. But morality is not the same thing well, as I'm, religion. I'm, not, well, I'm with you, now, but look, what I'm saying is that it is impossible, absolutely impossible, to look at Britain and say that the collapse of religion has led to a general social decay. You might argue that the thoughts in people's heads are less religious, they're thinking about God less, but are they being meaner to each other? Are they being more selfish? Are they being more cruel? There is no evidence at all for that. And I think that we religious people have to accept that we do not have the monopoly on basically good morals and that the faith is collapsing but the morals are not. And there's two different things. I completely agree with you, but the faith collapsing is a very big deal and I think the reason it's collapsing, if if you want to boil it down to one reason, is fundamentally technology. It's impossible in a world in which we're confronted by limitless choices and the paradox of choice. The more choice you have, the more difficult life becomes to sustain a consensus, to sustain an umbrella of religious belief, an agreed corpus of doctrine. This is why I don't see the trend being reversed, and I think that a move back to religious belief would involve nothing less than a miracle. Well, those miracles have happened time and time again. If you look at the look at the great American religious revival, as in the last you know century, these churches started springing up. You can see now there are trends of the more charismatic forms of religion are seeing a revival. Go down to you know a few couple of miles from where we are to Holy Trinity Brompton, and you can see there Christian innovation experiments working very very well. There are signs of it, and I think. We are getting to the stage now where those who are left, who are religious, will fight for it a lot more than their their parents did because they are so in the minority. And I think these things are cyclical rather than linear. If also, if you look at you, we started this um, discussion looking at the trends from all around the world, which show that God is doing all right 
right around the world in various guises, but religion is thriving. It seems to be doing pretty well other than Britain. So I don't see a worldwide trend which is going to confine religion to the grave. I see it getting pretty low at the moment, but I don't see it getting much lower. And fundamentally, I don't see an amoral society. Well, let's remember that nobody has defined religion, and religion means something very, very different, say, in Hindu India or Muslim Indonesia than it does here. In in those countries, it's bound up with a way of life, and it's often much, much less doctrinal Mm -hmm. and more about the practice of various social customs than in Christianity, which is the most doctrinal of all religions. Right, but I think that... Christians in Britain will probably have to end up living as Jews in Britain live right now, right? The Jews are people who've managed to keep their faith on the most hostile of conditions quite often over the centuries in various countries and still they keep it. You can be, you can grow up in Britain Jewish, devout, and knowing that you're going to be swimming into a tide that goes against you, but you can still do it. So I don't think if there's an existential threat, it's up to people individually that want to keep that faith. And if, if they become sufficiently embattled, that can be a source of strength yes, rather I than agree. of capitulation. Yes. So we're going to go back to catacombs and hidden rites and hidden symbols. We won't be able to wear our crosses. We won't be able to to even build more churches. What you want is for, I mean, what you see in the future is confined Christianity. I wouldn't call it confined necessarily. And I don't think wearing crosses will actually be that controversial. I mean, if somebody does wear a cross, they do so knowing that more people will probably think ill of them than think well of them. It, it, those who register it at all, they might think you're a little bit weird, perhaps a little bit bigoted. And it's, it's funny now, the children who are preparing for confirmation now and who are preparing, basically taking the sort of teenage aspect of religious education, have to learn how, how to defend their faith against the attacks they're going to receive. They will be taught at the age of 15 or 16, people are going to think that you're homophobic. People are going to think that you're a little bit bigoted, a little bit stupid, a little bit narrow-minded. And here is how these discussions go, and here is how one responds to them. You can do it. My generation was never given that sort of instruction because we didn't need it. You could say you were going off to church and nobody would think you're particularly strange. Now they do think you're a bit strange, but it doesn't mean to say that you can't, if you can't cope with a little bit of name-calling, how strong is your faith? Exactly. If Christianity can't deal with this mild adversity compared to the persecutions of the past and persecutions in other parts of the world now, then it's not really Christianity. I know. And this is the sort of the joke of it, really. Just think of the other non-Christian faiths and what they've had to endure over the years. Now, Christians, and we hear it quite a lot, anybody who's a churchgoer will think of many, many conversations they've had with their friends and their families sort of decrying the, the state of society, asking if... And also, I guess if you're a Christian and you're my age and you're 40s, if you've got children, what you're wondering is what are the chances of my children being brought up religious, because are they going to have that... Because you you basically need a spirit of dogged defiance now to think, to hell with you all, I'm going to keep my faith. But don't you mind the fact that we are talking about our faith as something we're going to be having to defend and to protect against attack from everywhere, and we are living in a so-called liberal and tolerant society, which is showing that it is illiberal and intolerant about one particular right which is the right to free religious expression. 
Yes, you're right, but I think to complain about it is like a ship's captain complaining about the sea. I mean, these are the waters in which we are we are sailing now. They, they've got calm, they've got choppier, but ultimately it is down to Christians to keep their faith and to try to bring up their children with it too. Fraser, thank you so much. Great pleasure. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to Holy Smoke for a new episode every other Friday. 